Hey, what it do, sports fans? Welcome to the Sports Live podcast brought to you by Multimedia Live. I'm Sboom Jigeliso, your host, and I will be joined by various guests on this exciting new podcast to discuss the latest ins and outs of the sporting world. In this very first episode, we'll be reviewing the Cricket World Cup that's on the go in England at the moment. And we have a special guest chatting to us straight from London. And in the second segment of the show, we'll chat to Times Live sports journalist Masats Mpatlele about the slightly thorny issue regarding sport and religion. Whether there's a line and can it be crossed? Right, the Proteas lost to Bangladesh by 21 runs at the Oval on Sunday after they failed to chase down 331 for victory. This after England beat South Africa by 104 runs in the opening game last Thursday, following which the West Indies beat Pakistan by 7 wickets after bowling them out for 105, and the New Zealanders' Kiwis beat Sri Lanka by 10 wickets after bowling them out for 136. Australia beat Afghanistan by 7 wickets, chasing down 207. And for all the scores and up-to-date content, please go to timeslive.co.za and follow some of Telford Vice's writing, who is in the UK at the moment. South Africa do face India at the Rose Bowl in Southampton on Wednesday. And on to our special guest, his name is Daniel Gallen, and he is one of those lucky ones who is in the UK for the Cricket World Cup at the moment. I've known Dan for quite a few years now. He's a South African living in England, and he was at the Oval Fortunate or unfortunate to watch the Proteas lose to Bangladesh, which has put them under heavy, heavy pressure. He writes for various online publications, is one of the freelancers that are available to write for anyone who wants content from over there. I managed to chat to Dan after the game via Skype. Listen to this. Yeah, just to get cracking on the Proteas, obviously they lost by 21 runs, chasing 331. Mm. Uh, what are your thoughts overall on the game? And uh, how in the world... Did we let Bangladesh get that far beyond 300? You know what it is? For me, it's, it, it was the way that they bowled with the ball. Lungi, and I, I maintain, Lungi Nguyen and Kakhisa Rabada have the potential to be the most devastating partnership with the new ball, red or white. I think they, they tick every box. They're tall, they're aggressive, they, they're fast, they extract extra bounce. Uh, Kakhisa shows that he can move the ball both ways in the air and off the seam. And Lungi showed against England that he's not just a, a tiring brute. He's got that slow ball under the back of the hand. He knows how to vary his lines and lengths. Um, he, can, he can outthink batsmen rather than just outmuscle them. Right. And, all the talk, and all the talk ahead of this tournament was how South Africa's got a plan A. They're going to come out here and we're going to boss with the new ball. And no matter what, how, no matter what weaknesses the batting side has, the bowlers are going are to keep them give them totals that they can chase and, and give them targets uh, that they can defend. That was, right. that was the plan. So, but a plan is only effective is if it's enacted out. You know, it's all, it's all good to have these, these well-laid plans, but if, if you're right. going to be, if you're Kakhisa Rabada and Lungengidi and you're going to bowl half trackers instead of bouncers, if you're going to be bowling half volleys instead of Yorkers, then Fav Duplessis is sitting there thinking, you know what, Oaks, you've, you've kind of scuppered my plans here because I, I don't think I've ever seen both of those guys bowled that badly with the, with the new ball. I, I, I think I counted. It was something like 28 deliveries until uh, there was an effective bouncer that wasn't a half tracker that was pulled in front of square or a tame looper that yeah. kind of just wafted over the, over the batsman's head into, into Quinn de Kock's hand. So if, if, for, if for a month they've been hammering aggression, aggression, bouncer, bouncer, we're going to come up against an Asian side who stereotypically isn't that comfortable against the ball that – 
hops around the throat. Yeah. It's just really disappointing that that it, it just the plan wasn't enacted. And you know, seeing seeing Angidi walk off after four inept overs that cost over eights and over, the, the protests have to move to Plan B. So it's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back. But yeah, it, just about everything that could have gone wrong today did go wrong. That Gidi came into this uh, tournament as one of a handful of bowlers that really uh, their fitness was uh, in question. So did Rabada actually. Mm, mm, that's right. In the latter stages, even though he was doing quite well, and now that we're hearing that Gidi is out for Wednesday's game uh, yeah. against uh, India, um, by the time this comes out, probably we'll have official word and and everything else. But um, do you think uh, that had an effect in, in any way? Did they look sluggish? Uh, well, yes, they looked sluggish, but the whole side looked sluggish. They looked sluggish in the fields. Chris Morris let one go through his legs. They went for four. Half, uh, half chances went down. You know, momentum is a funny thing, and it's hard to quantify, but for whatever reason, momentum wasn't on the South African side. But right. getting back to the injuries, the plan was always the same. Despite the fact that Stain's shoulder has has kept him, you know, useless. I don't mean that in an offensive way. He hasn't been of use, is what I'm is what I'm saying, since they've been in the UK. Rabada came back from a back niggle. Uh, Enric Nortia's hand meant he wasn't touring. Yeah. And as you're saying, Ngidi's fitness has kind of always been an issue. That that is the problem with, with a with a big guy like that. It's it's perhaps a bit worrying. And Faf Duplessis said that he has to work on his fitness. So maybe there's some there's some kind of things that we can read between the lines there. But my concern is that so much was invested in plan A, but plan A was kind of always flirting with disaster because if, you, if your plan A is relying on a, 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 a quartet of fast bowlers, all of whom are, have struggled with injury or on the verge of, of not playing, my, my question to them is, well, what was plan B? Mm. Where, was, where, was the, where was the foresight to, to think of, okay, well, we've got X, Y, and Z because I look at India and they can beat you in many ways. Yeah. And I look at England and they can beat you in many ways. I look at West Indies, I look at Australia, some of the, you know, the other contenders. And I think South Africa coming to it, yes, maybe we weren't favorites, but we were one of four potential semifinalists. I look at all those four potential other semifinalists yeah. and they can beat you in different ways. This South Africa team can only beat you in one way. And you take that away from them as a result of injured bowlers and they look an ordinary side. And Bangladesh made them look an ordinary side. Ah, mate, now I'm wishing we had uh, the old Super 6 format of the cup. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, it's not looking so hot now, is it? No, it isn't. Like, 6 out of 9, we probably would have scraped through. But, like, 4 yeah. out of 9, it, it, it's a different story altogether. And the batting, okay, we've, we've touched on the bowlers, but the batting, mm. um, a lot of people are saying that Otis Gibson's tenure and the removal of uh, Neil McKenzie. I know hindsight is, is twenty yeah. twenty, um, but uh, uh, Dale Bankenstein has, has copped it a little bit as as mm. batting coach because we've not seen like the lineup really really fire. You either have Quinny doing well right at the top, or yeah. have someone like Faf come in rescue the innings in the middle. Occasionally, yeah. you've had. Uh, a, a Rusty funded Disson or a David Miller at times, maybe not often enough, or Peshuguayo mm. coming in to to do a job. Never really the, the the full batting lineup really showing its might. Are we just are we suffering for what's been two years worth of really inept inconsistency from our top four batters? Okay, so there's two things there. The one is the one is 
Dale Benkenstein versus Neil McKenzie in the batting coach. And the other one is, uh, I'll start with, with, with the, the second points I want to make. So I guess that, in effect, makes it my first point. Um, I once asked Gavin Hunt, uh, Bidvest Vitz coach. Is he still co- Vitz's uh, coach? Anyway, the football manager. I once yes, asked him what, what, yeah. what, makes, what makes a good manager. And he just said very pointedly, good players. He said, good players make, he said, good players make a good manager. He said, it's that simple. The, the, the manager with the better players, nine times out of ten wins. Sometimes you tinker with something and it comes off. You put a holding midfielder here, a left back there, whatever, you win the game. But good players in any sport win you sports matches. The truth is, apart from Quinton de Kock, there isn't one world-class batsman in that side right now. Yeah, Hashim Amlo was, was once world... Uh, and, and, uh, hear me out. I, I, I believe that. I think that... Faf Duplessis is probably in the second tier of batsmen. Okay. I think that Aidan Markham is in the second tier of batsmen with the potential to enter the first tier. I think apart from Quinton de Kock, no one is in that upper echelon right now. Right. We've we got some folks who have got potential to do it. Rusty is handy. JP has, uh, has, I don't think has middled, and I love JP. I think he's one of the best guys in world cricket, but he hasn't middled the ball for the last maybe two years. Um, mm. And we just don't have a batting lineup. We just don't have the world-class batsmen. So now, on to the second point. Do we blame the coach? Maybe. Maybe, maybe we can say, okay, Dale Benkenstein isn't doing the job that, that Neil McKenzie had. But Neil McKenzie had, had A.B. de Villiers at the peak of his powers. He had Faf Duplessis at the peak of his powers. Yes, Faf is, is kind of carrying the side right now. They had an emer- he had an emerging Quinton de Kock. He had um, Hashim Amla. Getting around, yeah, that helps. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And you know what? They also had a Dale Stain who was, who was keeping the other side uh, pegged back. They had a Vernon Philander who was keeping the side pegged back. So, again, better players make better coaches. Better, you know, good coaches make better players. But I think that you, you, you are kind of restricted with the raw ing- ingredients that you dealt with. Another thing that I would like to say to, to people on Twitter and social media, because I see a lot of people chiming in, sharpening the pitchforks and burning the torches yeah. whenever Dale Benkenstein's name comes up. I would, like these, I would like these Twitter people to tell me, well, what does a batting coach do? Don't just point to the runs because there's a, there's a, a myriad of reasons why one batting unit makes runs and another batting unit doesn't. Yeah. But if you're going to lay the, the blame solely at the batting coach, I want you to provide a caveat of saying, well, this is what Neil McKenzie did and this is now what Dale Benkenstein is not doing. Because if you're just going to throw away a, a, a term that is easy to spew onto social media and say it's the batting coach well then tell right. me what that means provide some analysis because i'm so tired of sorry if i'm sounding ranty but i'm so tired of south african sports fans just coming onto social media and 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 telling it like it is without yeah. without supporting it with, with with any nuance with any understanding of what happens behind the scene of what it takes to be a batting coach i'm right. all i'm happy for people to come and tell me this is why Dale Benkenstein is, 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 is struggling. But I'm not happy for people to tell me he is to blame without providing that caveat. Oh, well put. Uh, I like the football uh, analogy with the key ingredients. So by that, by that estimate, then I guess Trevor Bayless has the best ingredients. And uh, are the English uh, bringing it home this summer, do you think? You know, I, I think you add Jofra Archer to this, who I saw, I, I, I was watching him um, against Africa on Thursday. Sheepers, I haven't seen a fast bowler. You know, he, he reminds me of what Kajiso Rabada could be. I think, I think, you know, an uninjured Kajiso Rabada. Yeah. A, 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 a Mitchell Stark at his prime, a Dale Stane at his prime, a guy who just 
looks like his body was made to bowl a cricket ball very fast. He he's just, of Indian origin, is, is he not? He's, yes, he was born in Barbados. His father is, is British, which is why he was able to qualify. Um, so, oh, so he had... Hey, my friend, this, this is the land of the, of the British Empire. This is the, this is the colonial heartland. You want to talk about fairness, you're going to have to go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. And um, they didn't want uh, Geoffrey Archer in the first place. Well, well, that's... Yeah, well, the West Indies didn't want him. The West Indies didn't pick him for the under-19 side, so just think they could have had him. But with, get, getting, getting back to the raw ingredients, um, you add Geoffrey Archer to this England side, and, and as much as it pains me to say it as a... As a as a rainbow-blooded uh, South African yeah. sports fan, yeah. um, I think that this maybe makes England this England side one of the best ODI teams in history. They yeah. they bat all the way down to number eleven. Adil Rashid, who was scheduled to come in at eleven against South Africa, has an average of twenty and a strike rate of hundred. This is a guy yeah. batting at eleven. Um, I wrote in, I wrote in, in, a, in a piece a couple of days ago that England treat the loss of wickets the way a drunk driver treats a pothole. They just keep the foot down, and they just keep and they just keep driving. They they don't yeah, care. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Johnny Bairstow goes out in, in the second ball of the innings to uh, to Imran Tahir. If South Africa lost a wicket in the first over to a spinner, the the the, the pandemonium yeah. that that would have struck in the dressing room. There would have been five runouts, and they would have been bowled out for 130. England yeah. don't care. They just keep going, and that is just the mindset. That it's the mindset. But it's also the raw ingredients. They just fold with they just fold with players who, who can clear the boundary at will. I mean, Ben Stokes is catching pigeons behind his back on the boundary. They've got a they've got a fast bowler who who can generally strike fear in the opposition. They've got a wrist spinner who's one of the best in the world. They've got all rounders who chip in with bat and ball. They they look a complete side, and they are they are going to take some beating. Quite the opposite of the proteas. Now, thanks, Dan. Um, I don't want to keep you too long, but I do want to put you a little on the spot before we go. I want mm-hmm. you to name me the upset of the week from these following options. Andy Ruiz knocking out Anthony Joshua to win the WBA, WBO, IBF, and IBO heavyweight titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Chiefs coming down from 20 points uh, to beat the Crusaders mm-hmm. uh, in, in Fiji. Uh, Bangladesh beating the proteas. And Sophia Kennan knocking out Serena Williams from Roland Garros in the third round. Jeepers, what a weekend. Did that all happen this weekend? <laughs> all <laughs> happened. <laughs> and you know, you know what? We all, before I answer the question, we all, we all, you know, we all want the protests to do well. And, we, all, and, and we, all, we are all ardent fans. And sometimes that can make us jingoistic. And we, we like to thump our chest and, and, and get angry on social media. But just those four things that you listed, isn't that what makes sports so incredible that... Is, that, yeah. that, that, it, that unscripted drama, you, you just can't replace that where a, a no-hoper who has a body like mine can go knock out a, 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 a man who looks like he was, he, was, he was carved out of marble. So I think, I think, yeah. I think, that, I think that upset of uh, putting Joshua down twice, yeah, Ruiz, I think, I think that's got to be one of the upsets just for the fact that he looks like he's uh, got the same fitness regime as me. <laughs> <laughs> I think Ruiz has spoken for all of us, mate. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I want you to give me the playmaker of the week uh, as well uh, before mm. we, we close. Ben Stokes for that catch to dismiss uh, Andile Petrukwai, was it, on the boundary? That's right. Uh, Shakib Al-Hassan and uh, Mishriku Rahim for their 140 round third wicket partnership against the Proteas. Mm. And Liverpool oh. winning this European trophy, beating Spurs 2-0. In Madrid. 
Okay, well, as a as a Man United fan and as a Proteus <laughs> fan, I, I don't really want to select any of them. <laughs> um, okay, two incorrect answers. Okay, so can I can I choose? Uh, you know, I think we expected Liverpool to win. Um, we know the quality of the Bangladesh attack, and they were and they were helped by by some poor bowling. But there is no accounting for that Ben Stokes catch. That is that that was quite unbelievable. It, it defied logic. It's it's it, uh, you know some John C. Rhodes fans, myself included, might might disagree and say otherwise. But that was maybe the best catch I've ever seen live. It it just defied it. I didn't. It it's. Because he made a mistake, he wandered too far in off the boundary. He actually, yeah, he actually yeah. wasn't meant to be in that position. But you know, and and Pascal could, totally couldn't have that. hit. He couldn't have hit that harder. He couldn't have hit that slog sweep harder. So it just shows that even South Africa's best is still trumped by English English brilliance. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. It's going to be a hard tournament. The Proteas are facing India in uh, in the next game. Uh, yeah. Probably the time this comes out. Oh man, uh, we have to face India, West Indies, um, a whole list of good, good teams, possible champions. Australia, uh, New Zealand. Uh, how do you, how do you fancy us from here on in? My man, I am worried. I, I, <laughs> I don't know what to say. I'm just, this is this. I'm covering my first ever World Cup. I'm just hoping that by the time we play Australia in July, I'm not just watching a team playing for nothing you know i'd like to i'd like to have some sort of chaos going into that into that final round. no I, I'm, I'm nervous i think that ahead of the tournament uh i asked otis gibson earlier today in the press i said how many games do you think you were you like you could have like been allowed to lose or, or uh it would have been acceptable for you to lose to still make the semi-finals and though he didn't answer the question i still think their destiny is in their own hands but man, it doesn't get any easier against Virat Kohli and his and his team, who haven't played a game. It'll be South Africa's third game and India's first. So, mm. if there's any, if there was, as if there was any doubt that the BCCI control cricket, uh, there's your answer. Although, don't uh, don't don't let this go too far because I don't want them to take away my accreditation. Controls cricket. I'm gonna lead with that one. Right, and on to the second part of this episode, and it's about an inside look into the controversial enlightened Christian gathering prophet Shepherd Bushiri's church and one of the most devout followers of that church called Diani Sugar Mabunda, as well as the influence of religion on sports. Is there a line and can it be crossed? Diani Mabunda is one of the most talented South African footballers. He is the fulcrum in the Mamelodi Sundowns midfield and he has risen to occupy the same role for Bafana Bafana at international level. He is currently part of the preliminary squad set to go to the Africa Cup of Nations this June. But for a while he has made headlines outside of the football field because of his curious devotion to Prophet Bushiri, or better known as the Major One. About two months ago, I decided to go down to the Pretoria-based church with Mabunda to try and figure out what it was about the major one that attracted people like him to his following. I went on the premise that it was Mabunda himself who would take me to the church and we would sit together during one of these services and Mabunda agreed. And if you want to read that story, just go to the top of my Twitter page. I'm at Spu underscore so The link is pinned there. You might recall that last December, three women died during a stampede at the church and Bushiri has been in the headlines again this year when him and his wife Mary were arrested on tax evasion, fraud and money laundering charges. When we got to the church, the place was heavily stacked by Bushiri's security men. 
Nonetheless, I was chaperoned into one of the most VIP parts of the main marquee when Mabunda and I sat down and had a chat about his love for the church and, of course, the major one. I spent the better part of four hours at the church, really soaking in the atmosphere. I want you to listen to some of the highlights from that interview with Mabunda. He touches on the following points. One, praising the major one every time he scoops a Man of the Match award. And two, his financial contributions to the church. Have a listen. The thing is that people don't know that I've been playing football for so long and I had never been recognized uh, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a man of the match before. There was a, I would play so many games and people would tell me you had a great game, you deserved man of the match, and, but it was never awarded. The first man of the match I got was after I came to this church. After I had been prayed for for breakthrough and things began to move. Uh, things began to be falling into place uh. and uh, God has really uh, manifested himself mightily in my career hence I never forget the person that God used to change my story which is major one my offering and tithe and, and seeds are not necessarily for the growth of other people it's just a principle that God has placed that we should do it doesn't matter whether people are, are, are receiving it or not, but the, the mere fact that I'm honoring the word that God spoke, that I must be faithful with my tithe and offering, that must be done, irregardless of whether it's to help someone or what. But that is what God said it must be done. The problem is people think that when we give offering and tithe, we are giving it to a man of God. We are not giving it to a man of God. The Bible says God said, give your offering and tithe. And if the leader... If, if people think that you are giving money to a man of God, they are wrong. Because when you give, you are giving to God. You are not giving to a man of God. If we were giving to a man of God, how many other churches out there have been there for so many years and yet the man of God is not rich? And they pay tithes, they do everything, they do this, but the man of God is not rich. So the people think that we give money. My tithe is to God. Now at the top of the show, I said this segment was about sports and religion and whether there is a line and can it be crossed. Mabunda isn't the only sports figure that has courted controversy on the subject. Of course, Israel Folau is another one. The Waratahs and Wallabies fullback was found guilty of a high-level breach of Rugby Australia's code of conduct and they tore up his contract, basically firing him. From all rugby, in an Instagram post, Folau made what appeared to be discriminatory comments regarding homosexuals. The post read, Warning, drunks, homosexuals, adulterers, liars, fornicators, thieves, hell awaits you. We don't need to go through all the contents of those posts. That's what the internet is for, of course. But we'll discuss how Folau and Mabunda's faith-based utterances have divided opinion in the sporting world. With me for this conversation, as I said, is Times Live sports journalist Mashatim Pashlele, one of the most knowledgeable sports writers in the business. And he had this to say about the thorny issue. Tell me, on our topic today, um, what have you made of Tiani Mabunda's love and passionate advocacy for Prophet Shepherd Bushiri's enlightened Christian gathering church? Yeah, well, uh, it's, it's, it's quite interesting. Um, I guess generally in sports, uh, sports and religion has always been uh, uh, here and there, um, you know, going hand in hand. Uh, you know, more often than not, you see players before the game, uh, you know, uh, praying or uh, observing whatever yeah, religious beliefs yeah. that they do. 
um, uh, you know, so sports and religion has always been been hand in hand. Uh, obviously, Tiani believes in what he believes in, uh, he, and he believes strongly in what he believes in, and uh, um, he has, uh, you know, sort of to, you know, to the general public, uh, divided opinion on his right. uh, staunch uh, love for the Church of Bushiri. A lot. Uh, yeah. But I guess, you know, at the end, I mean, uh, you know, I'm a Christian and I believe in what I believe in, and uh, I, I don't think anyone has got the right to judge me, so maybe we shouldn't be too harsh on judging him or any other person yeah. uh, who believe in whatever religion that they believe in. Some people feel that, you know, when he goes up to get his Man of the Match award and thanks the Prophet, you know, uh, um, some people believe that it, he's put the cut on the other side yeah. of the horse, you know, um, that it's it's a lot to do with Prophet Bushiri rather yeah. than a religious thanking God thing. And that's where the, a lot of the fans yeah. really give their backlash. Yeah, I, I, I guess if you look in the country at the moment, we, we, we you know, from a societal point of view, we do yeah. um, have this challenge. I don't want to call it a problem per se, but this challenge where, you know, there's a lot of mushroom in churches where um, a lot of people, uh, you know, to an extent, tend to uh, believe more into the pastors or the priests than uh, what the, the traditional way of religion. praising has always been. Yeah. Uh, when I go to church, I don't pray to the pastor. <laughs> uh, I pray to, <laughs> you know, I read the Bible and I, I you know, my prayers goes to God. Pray to God. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the, I, it's, 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 it's very difficult because, uh, you know, you can say it's the new way of doing things, whether it's right or wrong. Yeah. Really, yeah. it's not for me to say um, because I don't think I'm qualified to make that uh, that kind of a comment. Sure. Um, when Tiani gets a man of the match, he goes on TV. He thinks, I know, I hear people they call him Papa or whatever they whatever they call him. Uh, yeah. It is what he believes in, and uh, it yeah. will be very difficult to to really you know make him move away from what he believes in because that's what he genuinely believes in. And you know, I mean, like I indicated earlier, guess we just have to respect uh, the way he wants to do things, and it is the way it, you know it is the way it is. And and uh, unfortunately, there's nothing much we can do about it. He credits the prophet for his sharp uh, upturn in, in football fortunes. If you remember um, Diani, he wasn't playing much yeah. after being signed from Black Leopards. Very talented midfielder, mm -hmm. nonetheless. And he says there were injuries that he needed surgery for and he didn't go for the surgery. And the prophet intervened with his yeah. prophecies, I guess, and his prayers. And then suddenly Diani Mabunda became the fulcrum of what we now know to mm. be the best Sundowns team we've ever seen yeah. because of their Champions League exploits, which Mabunda was part of, and their the league exploits, obviously. Uh, do you think there's some merits to, to what he said? Well, <laughs> I, I always find it difficult to, to, to sort of, you know, when players say those things because uh, more often than not, you can't yeah. really argue against science. You know, I mean, uh, you know, it's an issue of, uh, you know, Belief versus it's, it's an issue of belief, and, and say, because yeah. I mean, at the same time, someone can say we don't know. I mean, if he didn't go to to the church, yeah, uh, yeah. things may you know may 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 have turned out the way they have turned out anyway. Yeah, you like know? it's coincidence. Yeah, maybe it's a coincidence that he went to church and things started uh, started yeah. turning out. He may not have gone to church, and uh, you know, maybe when he was struggling with injuries, he may uh, went the scientific way and uh, you know got. Uh, uh, medical help or whatever the story may be, yeah, yeah, yeah. we will never know. 
uh, but that's what he believes in. And, uh, you know, it is extremely difficult to, to get into the mind of somebody and make them believe otherwise because yeah. uh, religion is, is something which is, uh, you know, very, very difficult. Of people, course, it's people, subjective. It's subjective and people believe in what they do and, I mean, there are certain people who will believe in the, in the exact opposite of what he believes in. Yeah. Uh, it is just how, as human beings, we are wired and... Um, <laughs> Whether it's true or not, <laughs> I guess we'll never know. But uh, I, I, I will tend, in, you know, in terms of these things of injuries and sports, I would rather, you know, uh, advise, uh, you know, professional sportsmen and women to believe more into, you know, uh, you know, proven scientific solutions to injuries and stuff right, right, than right. to go into this uh, priest of things. I mean, recently we had a situation with uh, uh, Papi Fati who. Uh, who right. recently died? Yeah. Uh, apparently, Plain. you know, he he uh, ignored uh, you know advices from medical people and decided uh, to continue playing on the advice of uh, you know traditional healers. And as we speak now, the guy is dead. Uh, maybe if he had listened to uh, medical people and stopped playing, yeah. he yeah. would still be alive. It's actually sad about Papi Fati because he 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 went as far as blaming witchcraft. Yeah. For his misfortune yeah and i mean you know when he was here in south africa playing for vets he you know looked to be quite a you know a solid uh, proper f was. F football yeah, player yeah he led burundi to uh, afcon um, qualification you know yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know he led burundi to afcon qualifications uh, while he was playing and he was not supposed to have been playing you know it's, it's it is unfortunate um i think um you know listening to science uh for me would be an advice i would give to 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 any sportsman mm -hmm. or woman, uh, unlike uh, believing in these things that we you know sometimes we do believe in, and uh, you know I'm not saying this to in any way uh, as a sign of disrespect to what people be believes in, yeah, because yeah. each and every person is entitled to believe in whatever believes in. But as a as a, as a matter of a personal opinion, uh, you know I would rather go to the doctor and get checked than right. than go to a street corner and have somebody uh, telling me you know blowing uh, stuff and saying. Uh, you know, this is what is my problem, yeah, and yeah. I'm not disrespecting people who blow uh, uh, bones. But uh, my personal, you know, beliefs is that uh, I'd rather, uh, you know, be, be be informed by what science say yeah. than uh, what uh, you know people believe in, in in the other stuff. That's it for me, Spoom Chigeliso, and you've been listening to the Sports Live podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Do also catch us on timeslive.co.za as well as Sowetan Live, Business Live. We are also on Iono FM, the Apple Podcast Store, or wherever you get your podcasts. It could be Spotify, Stitcher, Castbox, Pocket Cast, wherever. To connect with us, please use the hashtag Sports Live. Share your comments with us at Times Live or at Sowetan Live on Twitter. A big thank you goes out to the multimedia live team led by Scott Peter Smith and producer Paige Muller, as well as the Tiso Black Star Digital Sports Department, headed by Mninawa Mchana Droko. Our sound and audio mixer is Innocent Manike. From us at the Sports Live podcast, it's goodbye for now.